the way that we speak. So that's just a brief comment on that. Okay, we are looking today, we are finishing off our series on living a new life. So if you have your Bibles, phones, laptops, iPads, etc. with you, if you'd like to look, turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. <clears throat> and they read like this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. <clears throat> Let's just pray, because there is so much in these verses. Father, we do thank you for your presence with us. We thank you that we learn as your spirit teaches us and as we listen and open our hearts to hear your voice. And so we ask you this morning that you would help us to listen to you. We ask you too that you would help me take these words, Lord Jesus. I do pray that in a sense you'd make them brief, you'd make them profound, and you'd make them powerful in energising us to live a new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> I've never done this, so you'll have to, I have to imagine it. You may imagine it, or you may have done it. But it's Saturday night. And in your hand is a piece of paper. And in five minutes' time, that piece of paper is either going to be thrown in the bin or is going to change your life forever. And as you sit there, watching the telly, all the flashing lights and the music. Number three comes up. Number seven comes up. Number 38 comes up. Number 17 comes up. And as you sit there holding this sweaty piece of paper, in, this piece of paper in your sweaty hand, And like Pete, you're waiting, <laughs> waiting. 25 comes up. And finally, the one you've been waiting for. 33 and a third. No. <laughs> Number seven. It's there. Your whole life has changed. Your bank account has gone from near zero <laughs> and you have won 35 million pounds in the bank. Your life is changed forever. Suddenly you're having to deal with accountants, tax officials, <laughs> whole loads of family that you never knew you had, yeah. friends you hadn't spoken to for years coming to your door. But there are advantages as well, I presume. <laughs> yeah. How, qu how quickly would Vic be there? <laughs> Whole life has changed. And in a much more profound, much more deep, much more eternal way, 
when you became a Christian, your life changed forever. And part of what our job is when we speak on a Sunday morning is, in terms of the, the sort of lottery win, it's to remind you what's in the bank. Because you could win the lottery and then you could keep, well, can we afford this? Can we afford this? Can we afford this? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Because you forget, you've lived so long on just the bread line that it takes a while to drift in. Actually, we can afford virtually anything we want. And it takes a while for that to penetrate and to permeate your life. And part of our job is to remind you of the magnificent inheritance that we have in God. Of all the riches of heaven that is there for us. Of all the power of the Holy Spirit now living within us. Of the remarkable change that happened in the illustration that Daniel brought earlier. Of being in this dead tree which was humanity and Jesus coming and cutting you out and, gr and grafting you into this living, vibrant vine that feeds its life into you day by day. And part of our job is to remind you of all that we have in Jesus. And that's part of what this verse in Colossians is all about. We've been looking at the new life that we have. So in Colossians 2, chapter 2, verse 6, the Apostle Paul writes, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as something remarkable has changed, in 2.20, it's since you died with Christ and you've been raised with Christ. In chapter 3, verse 1, since you have been raised with Christ. And in 3.12, as God's chosen people. Now, take off this old dead rags of life that you had and put on these new glorious clothes. <coughs> It's come up a couple of times. Stop being this caterpillar crawling around the ground eating cabbages and be the butterfly that eats of the finest nectar of the plants in the world. And this is what this series has been encouraging us to do, to remember the new life that we have and to walk in it. And so Paul goes on, as we've looked at the previous 14 verses, he starts off by saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. <coughs> now, I've tried to learn English over my life. Um, I've also learned a little bit of Greek. Um, and when it says here, let the peace of Christ, the let is um, actually in English, the correct translation would be Keep on letting. Let it happen time and time again. Make sure you are living each day in the peace of Christ. It's not a just a one-off thing. You know, we become a Christian and suddenly, man, I've got peace. Now, there are three types of peace. There is the peace we have with God that Jesus won for us on the cross through his death, resurrection and ascension into heaven. Now that peace we have forever. We have peace with God. I can come to God any time and say, Father, I can come to him and say, Father, I'm sorry for what I've done. It didn't please you. I can come say, Father, I love you. Thank you so much for all that you're doing for me. 
And I will know that I come to a father who is not angry with me, one who's not going to push me away. He's going to be one who embraces me and loves me because we have peace. He's never, ever going to come first of all and say, I've got a few things to sort out with you. First, as father, he'll come and embrace us. Yes, there is training, there's discipline. He wants us to change. But he's, we have complete peace with God. We never need to doubt that. But then there's peace with yourself. And sometimes that's a little bit harder to have. What does that peace look like? This is what one writer said. He said it so much better than I could. Peace, it is the calm mind which is not ruffled by adversity, overclouded by sin, or full of a remorseful conscience, nor is it disturbed by the fear of or the approach of death. That inner peace of Christ, where we're not ruffled when things go wrong, we're not constantly worried about what might happen. We, we know peace. We're not constantly trying to answer questions that haven't been asked yet. Double-guess everything. We're at peace because we know we have a pure conscience before God. He's made us clean. We're not worried by fear or the approach of death. So, <coughs> my dad, a couple of years ago, he said to me, look, you're always going away, can you just write your diary so that I can see where you are in the world? Now, there are advantages to that. <laughs> the disadvantage is he worries now um, and he's concerned, which is nice, because he's my dad, so it's nice to know he's concerned about me. But he can't understand why we can be confident that wherever we go, whether, it, whether good or bad happens to us, God is there involved in it. And so consequently, we can be at peace. And what, is, what we've seen this weekend is it doesn't really matter where you go in the world. The world at the moment is a very dangerous place to live. No matter where you are, whether you're on holiday, whether you're in Kuwait, still amazing atrocities going on in Syria. And in the midst of it, we can have peace because we know that our Father, the eternal God, is working out his eternal purposes in the world. But also, there's peace with God, peace with yourself, and then peace with others. And in this context that Paul is writing, saying peace among us as a church. Now one of the, the really great things about City Hope is when people come in, there are probably a number of things they notice. They notice the number of children we have. They notice how young some of you are. <laughs> I used to include myself in that, but I'm growing up. <coughs> they're really surprised at how many there are. But they're also amazed at how much the place wherever we are is filled with love and with peace because that's God among us. And people coming in, just recognise that time and time again over the years, in the midst of chaos on a Sunday morning sometimes, people will still say, it's so peaceful there. 
Now, some of us as parents over the years have thought, how do you spot that? Did you not see what my children were doing? Did you not see me running after them? Did you not, did you not hear them? It's like, yeah, but it was so peaceful. And people just so loved one another. And that is a tremendous testimony for us as a church. And we want to hold that. And peace is a positive. It's not a neutral. Peace is not something that means you haven't got to cook lunch, you haven't got to worry about the kids, you don't have to worry about this, you don't have to do this, you don't have... No, not, 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 not. Peace is a positive. You bring peace in. And that's why this verse says, let the peace. Keep on letting. Keep bringing peace into your life. Keep reminding yourself you have peace with God. Keep reminding yourself that God is in control of your life. He's around you. He's a Father who loves you. He's there with you in it. And keep reminding yourselves that actually we are one body who do genuinely love one another because we are united by the same Spirit. But peace is a positive. It's a sense of calm, a sense of tranquility, a sense of confidence, a place of certainty. It's a place, actually, where the expectation is anything could happen. And you look at the life of Jesus, because the peace that we're looking for is not some sort of worldly peace. We are, we, we are looking for the peace of Christ to be in us and growing within us. But what is this peace? It's the peace that he had when the boat was in the storm and it's tossing and turning and all the disciples saying, God, Lord, what's happening? Come on, God, why are you sleeping? Do something, do something. And he awakes, he gets up and said, still, be still, storm. And the storm calmed down. It's the peace that he had when people came and said, Lazarus, your best friend is dying. And all the disciples said, quickly, let's change plans, let's go to Lazarus. And Jesus was able to say, actually, there's a bigger plan here. We're going to stay. It wasn't heartless, because when he, he knew Lazarus was going to die, but when he's there, outside the tomb of Lazarus, there he is weeping. Weeping. And yet he knows he's going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. It's the peace he had when the, when the disciple Peter came to him and said, Master, they're demanding that we pay the temple tax, but we haven't got any money. What are we going to do? No sense of panic, no sudden, ah, oh, we're short money, what are we going to do? Rather unusually, he says to Peter, go fishing, first fish, you, first fish you catch, the money will be there. God will provide for you. When the disciples came to hey, there's 5,000 people here and they're all hungry, Jesus, what are you going to do? It's the peace he had to say, well, let's see what we've got couple of loaves, five fishes, plenty. We can do it. When Jesus walked into a crowded little house, and there's aunts, uncles, mum and dad all crying and weeping, and Jesus walks into the room, and says, it's all right, the child's only sleeping. Just, can you all get out of the house? I'll go and see her. Puts her hand on his head and says, Tabitha, wake up and the child comes back to life. It's a sort of peace to walk through the world doing those sort of miracles, handling those sort of pressures, undisturbed, unruffled. That's the peace that Jesus had. It's the peace when the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, there are hundreds of kids here. Can't we just push them all away? 
And Jesus said, no, bring them. I'll bless them. I'll bless them. It's the peace that after a day of teaching to, to thousands of people, he says to the disciples, look, first sentence is mine, I know you haven't done anything but listen to me, but you go on a boat, you're tired. I'll steward this crowd so that they leave peacefully. It's that sort of peace of Christ that we're looking to live in. That no matter what comes at us, we know our God is big enough, our God is for us, uh, it's part of God's plan and purpose in our lives, and so we can deal with it. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Philippians 4, verse 7 says, The peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus, having spoken to the disciples something of what's going to happen in the world, says this, I've told you all this so that you might have peace. I've told you you're going to, you're going to suffer. I've told you that there's, there's tribulation coming. I've told you there's difficulties and challenges coming. It's not to make you worried. It's so that you might have peace. So that when they come, you will know that I told you. But how do you let this peace rule? Firstly, you believe the possibility. God, I can let the peace of Christ rule in my life. It's there. It's an inheritance. It's part of what God has given to me. I can have the peace of Christ. Secondly, I'm going to believe that you can give me this peace of Christ. I believe, Holy Spirit, that part of your fruit growing in my life is that I will know more of your peace. I'm going to believe it. I'm not going to pretend that I don't have peace that I have peace when I don't have it. I'm going to share with my friends, with my Connect community, with my Connect group. I'm going to say to them, I'm struggling with this. I need prayer so that I might receive more of the peace of God. I want to talk this through with you because this is upsetting me. This is disturbing me. This is making me have sleepless nights and I want to bring the peace of Christ into my life for this. I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm not at peace because I'm searching for that peace. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, pre present your requests to God, and then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Sometimes you just simply have to pray. And for Leslie and I, sometimes it's been prayers of minutes. God help us in this, and it's there. Sometimes it's been prayers of hours, sometimes of days, sometimes of weeks, sometimes of months. As you sought to find the peace of Christ in our hearts. And sometimes we just have to do that. But we can go to God face to face as his children, as those that have been raised with Christ, seated in heavenly places with an inheritance of, of, of being adopted into the family of God and saying, Father, here am I face to face with you. I don't have your peace. Come and give it to me. Come and provide for me, I pray.
Paul is saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And as individuals, we are peaceful, so together we can know the peace of Christ among us. How do we handle disagreement among us? Well, honesty helps. So say you're sitting there today and you're thinking, I really don't like City Hope preachers preaching in shorts. Come and talk. Come and lose an argument. No. <laughs> let, me let, us help you, let, let us help you win through to a place of peace on it. But don't hold it in your heart. Sometimes honesty helps. And I will say this about us as well. Having travelled quite a lot, been to loads and loads of churches, we probably are one of the sort of most honest churches that I know. Um, you know, we do tend to say how we're feeling. I mean, obviously not everyone will feel that, and some people have a lot more feelings than other people, etc., etc., because we're all different. But... <coughs> Let's just keep it up. Let's be honest. Let the peace of God be a real, deep sense of peace among us. So, how do you handle dis disagreement? You're honest about it. You speak clearly. You don't, don't think, take things personally. You ask the question, what can I learn from this? You're arguing with someone. What can I actually learn? They're disagreeing with me. They don't like this about me. They're struggling with this aspect of church. Actually, well, let's hear it. What can we learn from it? Try to remember that it really does take all sorts. And we want to become a more diverse church in age, culture, history, everything. And that will cause um, more things to be sorted through that things become clearer through discussion, through honesty, through openness. And if you are caught in a disagreement, ask yourself this question as well. Am I so perfect? Am I so perfect? Let's listen to one another. We are one body. We are united in Christ. And together we want to reflect Christ on earth. And to do that, we want to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and across us as the church. But Paul goes on and says, And be thankful! Actually, in the Greek, he doesn't say that. In the Greek, he says this, Continually learn to be a people who give thanks. See, in English, it can come across just as a law. You've got to be thankful. And if you are unthankful, don't come this Sunday. If you're feeling miserable, don't come. No. What Paul is saying is be a people who are continually learning how to be thankful. Because we have so much to be thankful for. But sometimes we do need to, le we do need to learn how to give thanks. We do need to learn to focus our minds and say, actually, 
in the midst of everything that has gone wrong this week, which for me is many and much, what actually can I, can I be thankful for? There are some things that I'm, I'm not thankful for. I'm thankful that God has brought me through them. But there are other things that I can be thankful for. And Paul is encouraging us as a people to, in the newness of life that we have, to be more and more thankful. And to be honest, in our world today, being thankful is a very easy way to open a conversation. You say, you know, I'm, <coughs> I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful that I ate today. What? Why are you thankful for that? such an expectation that we'll eat. Well, I am thankful because I know many people aren't eating. I'm thankful that I can afford it. I thank you that I have food, a home. I thank you that I have family. I was walking somewhere yesterday. I can't remember what I was doing. But <coughs> this lady served me. And I just said thank you to her. I don't know, it's in Lidl. It's the girl at the cash desk. And... Uh, she, we paid her, and I just said, thank you. It was like she looked up, double take, gave me such a broad smile, and said, that's nice. It was like I hadn't done anything. But she had just person after person, yeah, 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 thanks. Whew. It's really surprising when those sort of things happen. But actually being thankful also reveals something of your heart, and this is part of the learning of it. used to be, there's, there's loads of cir circumstances of this um, happening, but I preach this Sunday, fine, then the next Sunday someone else preaches and everyone is really grateful for what they've done. They they're just think it's amazing and all week you hear how good it was, etc, etc, etc. Now how does my heart respond to that? How pleased am I when good things happen to other people? And that's a real challenge to learning to be grateful. Because over the years, I've learned that I'm not always that grateful for other people's blessings. <laughs> because I'm so focused on what blessings I want. And as a church, let us go on learning about how to be thankful for other people's blessings. Amen. Let's continue to learn. When we were in Guinea um, a few weeks ago, on each Sunday, um, a father of a family had died. <coughs> and they do something that's really, it's really beautiful, actually. Um, and on the second Sunday, the father had died. Now, he he'd come from quite a poor family, and he was really the one that was, in the whole wider family, he was the one that earned a wage. He died. All his kids' education was finished. And they were like, from about eight to about 15, weren't they, boys? That, the day he died, their education finished. Because no one in the family could provide for them. And so, both, on both weeks, the family that had lost someone came out the front just stood there, and people just came out and expressed their sympathy, prayed for them, and for this particular second family, took up an offering.
to see what they could do to try and help them start some sort of business or whatever. It was really moving. And it was very sincere. Okay, we've done that, sit down. Now, so-and-so got married, let's celebrate. And out comes a married couple. And suddenly everyone's on their feet, family included. They're all there celebrating, cheering. It's great. It's like, <laughs> a part of me is like, hang on, what's it? We've just done death. Now we're into marriage. And like, both were done with such sincerity and such thankfulness. And, the, you know, the family that lost a father, they're there. Well, great. You're thinking, gosh, how would I be? And it, it was just such a beautiful illustration of handling the good things and the bad things that happen in life. It's such a challenge to me. As I looked, I thought, I wonder how I would feel. I wonder how I would feel. And Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Keep letting that peace rule. Keep learning to be thankful. And then let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs and gratitu with gratitude in your hearts to God. Paul and Vic, before this series, spoke on learning the word of God. The Bible is vital to us in teaching us what our inheritance is, to teaching us to what is in our bank. Because in here are the promises of God. In here are what we can feed on. In here are what can defeat the lies of the devil. In here is what tells us all that we've inherited in our new life in Christ. And that's why it's so important to read it. Not to keep up with a Bible plan, not, to, not so that you can show how much you've read it, but to draw out the strength and the wisdom and the power that is in this word. It is so worth reading it and dwelling on it and let it permeate our very being and lives because it will sustain us. And it will enable us to teach and encourage one another as we so often do in different Sundays as people come up here and share their stories and their testimonies and share what God is doing among them. We can do it together as we share. <coughs> he goes on to talk about as you teach and, and admonish one another, that's training and also correcting one another, as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. It's probably not so much our area, I know what would happen if I sung to Leslie. <laughs> I'd probably have a very red cheek or a black eye. <coughs> but it'd be all right if I talked to her. But as we do sing songs together on a Sunday, we are not only worshipping God, we are also receiving truth into our hearts and we're doing that to one another. And let's not rely on just on Sundays when we learn from one another, but let's through the week, let in our connect groups, in our connect communities, in our, in our fellowship together as we, as we do food bank together, as we do kids together, as we do Fab Friday together, as we do the youth together, as we, as we have coffee together, let's continually stir up the truths that, truths that God has put within us and let us teach and encourage and correct one another so that we are constantly growing in the love of God. Verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or do, deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This series that we've just done is all about living a new life. 
about recognising that we were once dead and alien from God. And Jesus has made us alive and adopted us into the family of God. And now we have a new life to lead with a glorious inheritance. Paul says this in Philippians, writing to an, another church in Philippi, and I would like to end with these verses. He says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And as we've looked at this new life, as we've looked at what we need to take off, as we've looked at what we need to take on, how, as we've looked at the different characteristics of Jesus and how he wants to live, let's have an attitude that says, yep, yesterday was yesterday, but today is the opportunity to take something off, to put something on, to live in the newness of life. And today I'm going to strain and press forward, forgetting what's behind, recognising I have a glorious inheritance and I want to live that day by day by day by day until the time when I'm called heavenward and am received in glory as a good and faithful servant. Let us press on to reach the goal. Let's stand. Father God, as we've looked particularly today at peace and thankfulness, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will come and speak to each of us individually, Lord Jesus. Some of us need more of your peace in our lives. Some of us need to be strengthened in the fact that we have peace with you, that you are a Father who loves us a Father who is for us, a Father who enjoys our company, a Father who provides all things for us. Lord, there may be some that just need to make peace across the church. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come. Help that to happen. Lord, for those who need more peace for themselves, come, Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Come, let that peace grow. Let us be a people who can walk in this dark world as people, men and women, of peace. Men and women who are at peace and are bringing peace. And Father, I do ask you that you will continue to help us to grow in being a thankful people that we may shake the world with our thankfulness. In our families, among our friends, at work, in the school gates, in our schools and colleges, let us be known for being a people that are forever grateful to our Father in heaven. We love you, Lord Jesus. Come among us for your glory. Amen. Amen.
Probably will. Probably will get. I think I've got one to heal someone of uh, 